Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 7 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Fourth, a man may forsake sin and yet be, but almost a Christian. He may leave his lust and his wicked ways, which he sometimes lived in, and in the judgment of the world, become a new man, and yet not be a new creature. Simon Magus, when he heard Philip preaching concerning the kingdom of God, left his sorcery and witchcraft and believed. Objection, but you will say, this seems contrary to scripture, for that says, he that confesseth and forsaketh sin shall have mercy. But I confess sin, yea, not only so, but I also forsake sin. Surely, therefore, this mercy is my portion. It belongs to me. Answer, it is true that where a soul forsakes sin from a right principle, after a right manner, to a right end, where he forsakes sin as sin, as being contrary to God and the purity of his nature, this declares that soul to be right with God, and the promise shall be made good to it. He shall find mercy. But now mind that there is a forsaking sin that is not right, but unsound. Number one, open sins may be deserted, and yet secret sins may be retained. Now, this is not a right forsaking. Such a soul shall never find mercy. A man may be cured of a wound in the flesh, and yet may die of an abscess in his bowels. Number two, a man may forsake sin, but not as sin, for he that forsakes sin as sin forsakes all sin. It is impossible for a man to forsake sin as sin unless he forsakes all that he knows to be sin. Number three, a man may let one sin go to hold another the faster. A man who goes to sea would willingly save all his goods, but if the storm arises so that he cannot, then he throws some overboard to lighten the vessel and save the rest. So did they, Acts twenty-seven thirty-eight. So the sinner chooses to keep all his sins, but if a storm arises in his conscience, why then? He will heave one lust overboard to save the life of another. Number four, a man may let all sin go and yet be a sinner still, for there is the root of all sin in the heart, though the fruit is not seen in the life. The tree lives, though the boughs are lopped off. As a man is a sinner before ever he acts sin, so 
till grace renews him. He is a sinner, though he leaves sin, for there is original sin in him, enough to damn and destroy him. Number five, sin may be left and yet be loved. A man may forsake the life of sin and yet retain the love of sin. Now, though leaving sin makes him almost a Christian, yet loving sin shows he is but almost a Christian. It is less evil to do sin and not love it than to love sin and not do it. For to do sin may argue only weakness of grace, but to love sin argues strength of lust. What I hate, that I do. Sin is bad in any part of man, but sin in the affection is worse than sin in the conversation. For sin in the conversation may be only from infirmity, but sin in the affection is the fruit of choice and unregeneracy. Number six, all sin may be chained, and yet the heart not changed. And so, the nature of the sinner is the same as ever. A dog chained up is a dog still, as much as if he was let loose to devour. There may be a cessation of arms between enemies, and yet the quarrel may remain on foot still. There may be a making truce where there is no making peace. A sinner may lay the weapons of sin out of his hand, and yet the enmity against God still remain in his heart. There may be a truce. He may not sin against him, but there can be no peace till he is united to him. Restraining grace holds in the sinner, but it is renewing grace that changes his nature. Now many are held in by grace from being open sinners who are not renewed by grace and made true believers. Now then, if a man may forsake open sins and retain secret sins, if he may forsake sin but not as sin, if he may let one sin go to hold another the faster, if a man may let all sin go and yet be a sinner still, if sin may be left and yet be loved, finally, if all sin may be chained and yet the heart not changed, then a man may forsake sin and yet be but almost a Christian. Section 5, a man may hate sin and yet be but almost a Christian. Absalom hated Amnon's uncleanness with his sister Tamar. Yea, his hatred was so great that he slew him for it, and yet Absalom was but a wicked man. Objection. 
but the Spirit makes it a sign of a gracious heart to hate sin. Yea, though a man through infirmities falls into sin, yet if he hates it, this is a proof of grace. Paul proves the sincerity of his heart and the truth of his grace by the hatred of sin, though he committed it. What I hate, that I do. Nay, what is grace but a conformity of the soul to God, to love as God loves, to hate as God hates? Now, God hates sin. It is one part of his holiness to hate all sin. And if I hate sin, then am I conformed to God. And if I am conformed to God, then am I altogether a Christian. Answer. It is true that there is a hatred of sin, which is a sign of grace, which flows from a principle of grace and is grace. For instance, to hate sin as it is an offense to God, a wrong to his majesty, to hate sin as it is a breach of the command and so a wicked controlling of God's will, which is the only rule of goodness, to hate sin as being a disingenuous transgression of that law of love established in the blood and death of Christ, and so, in a degree, a crucifying of Christ afresh, to hate sin as being a grieving and quenching the Spirit of God as all sin in its nature is. Thus to hate sin is grace, and thus every true Christian hates sin. But though every man who has grace hates sin, yet every man who hates sin does not have grace. For a man may hate sin from other principles, not as it is a wrong to God or wounding Christ, or grieving the spirit, for then he would hate all sin. There is no sin that does not have this in its nature, but number one, a man may hate sin for the shame that attends it more than for the evil that is in it. There are some sinners who declare their sin as Sodom and hide it not. They are set in the seat of the scornful, they glory in their shame. But now there are others who are ashamed of sin and therefore hate it, not for the sin's sake, but for the shame's sake. This made Absalom hate Amnon's uncleanness because it brought shame upon him and his sister. Number two, a man may hate sin more in others than in himself. So does the drunkard. He hates drunkenness in another and yet practices it himself. The liar hates falsehood in another but likes it in himself. Now, he who hates sin from a principle of grace hates sin most in himself. He hates sin in others but he loathes most the sins of his own heart. 
Number three, a man may hate one sin as being contrary to another. There is a great contrariety between sin and sin, between lust and lust. It is the excellency of the life of grace that it is a uniform life. There is no one grace contrary to another. The graces of God's spirit are different, but not differing. Faith, love, and holiness are all one. They consist together at the same time in the same subject. Nay, they cannot be parted. There can be no faith without love, no love without holiness, and so, on the other hand, no holiness without love, no love without faith. This makes the life of grace an easy and excellent life. But now the life of sin is a distracting, contradictory life wherein a man is a servant to contrary lusts. The lust of pride and prodigality is contrary to the lust of covetousness, etc. Now, where one lust gets to be the master lust of the soul, then that works a hatred of its contrary. Where covetousness gets the heart, there the heart hates pride. And where pride gets uppermost in the heart, there the heart hates covetousness. Thus a man may hate sin, not from a principle of grace, but from the contrariety of lust. He does not hate any sin as it is sin, but he hates it as being contrary to his beloved sin. Now, then, if a man may hate sin for the shame that attends it, if he may hate sin more in others than in himself, if he may hate one sin as being contrary to another, then he may hate sin and yet be but almost a Christian. This concludes episode 7 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.